This is The Dog and Bone. Welcome to The Dog and Bone, a series of podcasts brought to you by Propeller Group. I'm Martin Lote, curator of The Dog and Bone. In each episode, you'll listen in to a conversation between two senior people at the sharp end of business change and transformation, with their permission, of course. Our two guests will chat and question each other as equals, exploring industry topics and stories from their careers. Hopefully, they'll dig up some tasty morsels for us to chew on. In this special episode of The Dog and Bone recorded at the Cannes Lion Festival, I interview Babs Rangaya, Executive Partner for Global Marketing at IBM IX. Babs gained a deep knowledge of brands with senior roles at Procter & Gamble at Unilever before joining IBM. IBM IX is the company's problem-solving division that combines creativity, business consultancy and tech expertise. At CanLion, Babs unveiled a blockchain pilot project for media deals being undertaken in partnership with brands such as Unilever and Kimberly Clark and the ad software provider MediaOcean. This blockchain project is designed to provide greater transparency of the media supply chain and how much spend is going towards working media and how much is lost. I managed to catch up with Babs in the IBM marquee and fire a few questions at him myself. I started by asking him to give the background as to why IBM had started to look at blockchain in the media buying process. A few years ago, it was really just um, the supply chain was kind of client, agency and television network or publisher um, with essentially one measurement source. That was Nielsen for television or MRI for print. Um, and then when digital came about, that increased a little bit with uh, you know things like ad servers and whatnot. But once programmatic hit, the number of players in that supply chain exploded. So we now have you know client, agency, and maybe ten ad tech players that are in the middle before it ultimately gets to the publisher. Um, and there's several issues with that. One of which is just the sheer number of players and the lack of transparency makes it um, confusing and daunting for marketers. Um, number two, uh, what used to be about 85 cents on the dollar that ultimately reached the publisher is now down to 30 to 40 cents because now every one of those ad tech players takes a piece of that. And lastly, um, because again of the various data sources that are providing performance figures, you have massive discrepancy. So every single media buy comes up uh, discrepant in some manner. And reconciling those discrepancies takes weeks and sometimes months. Oftentimes, you know, people don't get paid forever, um, and it is a very messy system. In fact, um, when I uh, talked to one of the companies, they actually said they have ten people that work full time on doing nothing but solving discrepancies. So, when I got to IBM, um, you know, you get to learn about uh, certain technologies and advanced technologies in a way that you never could at a different type of company. So even though I was actually responsible for digital transformation and for infusing digital throughout the marketing organization at Unilever, I would never know um, as in-depth uh, about blockchain or you know artificial intelligence, Watson, uh, IoT, any of those things to the level you would when you work at a company like this. So as I got to know blockchain and really understand it in more depth, I was kind of like, wow, this is built to solve the exact issues that we were facing um, when I was a marketer at uh, Unilever. <clears throat> so I called my old team and uh, we had a nice conversation. I was like, look, just take a look at it. And this is when blockchain was really just, um, <laughs> this is about a year, a year, a year and a half ago, um, when no one really understood, they just thought of blockchain as Bitcoin and no one really understood the benefits. But, but uh, you know, with a leap of faith and the fact that I'd worked there for a long time, and I think that helped. 
um, and my um, uh, now new knowledge of blockchain, uh, we did a, what's called a design thinking workshop in our blockchain garage. So yes, we have a blockchain garage, um, which is uh, you know which is pretty cool in its own right. So we did this design thinking. I uh, think we all got to uh, really understand the pain points at a, at a deeper level, not just about blockchain, but about the programmatic landscape itself, because that's what comes out in, in a design thinking workshop. And we, we created a blueprint for what it might look like. And then we actually executed an MVP, uh, which is a minimum viable product in the tech world, um, with uh, Unilever, whereby we created a blockchain for media buying, very self-contained, very small, with just a few players, just to understand if we can truly reconcile um, in a way that you can actually see and correct the discrepancy by the day versus you know weeks or months down the road. Uh, and we finished that in February, and what we did see was you know wasn't nothing, nothing earth-shattering again because it was so small, but we did recognize that that could be done. And so with that, Unilever, uh, when we well, kind of went through, you know, now what? <laughs> Uh, we looked to do phase two, which was to really scale that effort. So they were kind of like, okay, this is, this is definitely interesting. We can definitely see uh, benefits here. Let's see what it would look like in kind of a real, real world situation. I mean, all the players, all the integrations, uh, potentially, you know, uh, you know, a solid amount of spending across multiple publishers. And we'll see what happens. So, so that's what we've been down. So I looked at a number of different options to try to scale that. Um, you know, we talked to potentially a holding company too with their clients. Uh, I spoke to a DSP, <clears throat> uh, one of the biggest DSPs about doing it through that. But ultimately I landed on, uh, I had a meeting with Bill Wise, who's the CEO of MediaOcean. I called him up um, because I, I, I kind of understood that MediaOcean is already kind of um, built into the entire media buying landscape from the point of IO and PO to actually planning and buying all the way to invoicing. In some capacity, they're already working with all the players. So me and Bill kind of banged it out and we were like, all right, what can we do? We'll put it on blockchain and we'll be able to actually have everything already written to the blockchain without having to tin cup and go to every single player in the ecosystem. And he was actually really excited because they were already thinking exactly about that, about how do we you know, really kind of start leveraging blockchain or other technologies to provide the kind of transparency that marketers are looking for. Um, and so we struck a partnership uh, and then with that we created um, what's now going to be a pilot program starting in July through the end of the year uh, with several advertisers and you know multiple publishers and the entire ecosystem already written into their system which will now be written into blockchain. Um, you know I, obviously it's phase two for Unilever, we've also got Kimberly Clark Oh, we've got Kellogg's, we've got Pfizer, um, our own IBM brand will uh, be part of it. Um, so we have big brands, we've got the ecosystem, and now it's um, just a matter of uh, putting it in place and seeing if we do get results that we expect to get at the end of it that show, you know, kind of the three things that I talked about, transparency, reconciliation, and, and uh, the financials of getting some of that um, money more evenly distributed to working media. Can you say which of the, uh, the media players or publishers involved at the end of the channel? <clears throat> so, the pub, so we've only called out the marketers because that's the spend and that's the ones that have to be added to the system. All publishers are already integrated, not all, but 5,000 plus publishers are already integrated into the media ocean system. We will call out a few to the extent that we want additional learnings and so by having them be written to the to the blockchain, we'll be able to 
kind of extract some things that go beyond just being part of their system. So we are not um, naming any of those yet. Um, but we have, um, like I said, all most of them are integrated, and we're going to look at three or four of them that we do a lot of business with and, uh, and get to that. Okay, now I understand. I've, I've heard it said that in the, in the programmatic space, obviously the speed of the transaction is, is so quick that are there challenges for um, <clears throat> blockchain to be able to keep up with uh, the speed of transaction programmatic? Yeah, I mean, well, that, that has come up several times. Um, I think that's one of the things we'll learn. So, on the on the MVP, we did it through a direct uh, direct I/O. This is the first time we'll really be running it through programmatic. Um, people have talked about that, but um, that's one thing we're going to find out. <laughs> you know, I think that um, the reason for that is because within blockchain, you need to get consensus of the member players for every. Call it, you know, block in the chain to, for it to move forward to the to the next block, and uh, typically that would take more than the speed of the transactions that happen in real time bidding, in programmatic or even or even faster in in, in a financial exchange or whatever. So, I think people, um, most people, just don't believe it's possible to mine the data, and to have that happen at the speed of that. Um, but the technology is um, is accelerating so fast. I mean, it's a little bit like in the early days of the internet when I worked. I was in the dot-com boom in the 90s. I was at an agency, a company called agency.com in the very early days. And I remember we had all these great uh, ideas and plans to run video uh, across, you know, we can make TV ads into videos and we can make content and run it all over the web in the 90s. And the truth of the matter is everyone was dialed in through AOL and no one had broadband, and those videos would take 20 minutes to air for a six-second video. So just because it was possible didn't necessarily mean it would be, you know, be able to run at an optimal speed and levels at that moment, but in time, we know that that will work fine. So I would imagine there's probably a little of that going on now. We'll, in the pilot, we'll see just how fast we can um, um, work the deals. Uh, I think all of us, all the CTOs involved in this on both the blockchain side and on their side, Feel confident that we can um, we can run a system that will be able to handle these uh, transactions, but um, you know we won't know until we know. Okay, you mentioned some of the the benefits um, from a from a brand owner perspective and the brands you're partnering with. Uh, to what extent is uh, is actual price and achieving uh, uh, more media for less spend a driver, or is it more to do with um, transparency? Fulfillment. I mean, look, at the end of all of this, the reason you do any of this is for effectiveness, right? You want to have um, as much uh, advertising as possible, reach your consumers to get your message out. Um, whether that's a matter of doing it for less money or doing more of it for the same money, is, you know, that, that's more of the strategy of a given campaign. Um, but there's, you know, the fact that there's only 30 to 40 cents reaching the publisher is problematic. Um, that needs to be fixed and that will help all marketers in some capacity, whether they, it gives them more money to put back into the system to invest or whether it's savings back to the bottom line, all of that goes to helping their business. So um, that's just a, you know, a, a, a very big part of uh, the benefits that are potentially uh, possible here. But what's the, uh, what's the pay model? Uh, because it's feedback I'm hearing is uh, from brands and procurement departments are saying, well, this is, this is great, but if we've got to 
spend some money to investigate the system built. You know, we, we don't want to do that. Somebody else is going to have to do that. So is right. IBM taking that on and then just providing it as a service? Well, no, no, we're not taking it out. <laughs> I think what, what, it, what it is is we believe that there will be enough benefits that it will override the, the cost. So today, only 30 cents again, you're right. If we're going to add another 10 cents and nobody wants to do that, that just adds to the problem. I think, you know, but if that 30 cents becomes 70 cents, then the 10 cents, you know, yeah. could be a so the business model has to be that this works, that this provides great benefits and is worth doing on top of what we're doing today because it will save them elsewhere. Right, and amelioration um, <clears throat> aren't here, but is this not them in effect constructing something that could put their legacy business out of business? I mean, does it not, uh, is it not an alternative to what they've been doing for many years? No, I think it's exactly what they can, it's what they're doing, they're gonna continue doing, they're just gonna do it in a system that's um, more advanced technology, just like any other business that um, doesn't move forward with um, uh, potentially advancing their businesses through technology could be disrupted. It's actually the opposite. I think if you don't start you know, um, using all the things available to you to better your business, over time you become you know, Kodak or <laughs> whatever. So I think um, they're actually doing the, the right thing. They're doing a great thing. I, I find them to be really innovative and really smart in their approach. What they've built is kind of extraordinary. If you think about the size and scale of that whole um, kind of ecosystem, to be at the center of all of it is, is pretty amazing. You're listening to the Dog and Bone podcast from Propeller Group. If you're enjoying it, please share the link with your network. Subscribe on iTunes or your normal podcast provider. And if you're feeling really inspired, please write a review to help us zoom up the charts. Now, back to the conversation. I was struck by your earlier comment that you, your experience at Unilever was, was so useful in putting, giving you a client mindset, and then yeah. when you got to IBM, yeah. you, you saw the technological solutions yeah. available, whereas if you had only done one or right. the other, you'd be missing out yeah. on part of it. Right? So does that put you in a kind of unique position? Because like other alternative players around, maybe from a technological standpoint, but without the, uh, the brand? Yeah, no, I definitely think it does. I mean, obviously it's good to have a breadth of experience. I think mine, uh, for my whole career, has been kind of unique. I started my career mostly working on Procter & Gamble at a, at a big, back when there was big ad agencies, Darcy Mears was in bowls, when everything was housed within the agency. And um, I was a VP on Procter when, um, when the internet kind of hit. And I was actually involved in building the first Procter website, which was Pampers Parenting Institute. And it happened at the same time that I had uh, my first kid, so it worked out nicely. Um, but one of the great, you know, for me, one of the great stories of my career is that when I had my first kid and I was uh, helping to build this Pampers Parenting Institute, I really got a chance to see the internet in action as a potential marketing vehicle because when my son was like three months old, one day he was like fussy and crying and he was up to then being like this model kid. I was like, oh, I don't know what all the fuss is. This kid's great. <laughs> Um, and I felt kind of bad going to work that day, and I was like, oh man, I wonder what's wrong with him. And I pulled up the site for work purposes, and uh, it said, Babs, uh, happy three-month birthday to your son, Ryan. He's probably a little fussy right around now, because at three months, they start getting, um, you know, they start teething, and this. And I'm like, oh my God, that was the most targeted message I've ever received in any media in my life. I'm like, this internet thing is going to transform marketing and everything that we do. Um, and I remember I immediately um, started thinking I gotta get at it. I gotta get into this uh, you know this boom this is truly transformative stuff 
and and I had a meeting with our uh, you know our, our president at the time, uh, and I explained to her what I said that whole story, and I was like we had just purchased a, a company we we had bought an agency called NWR which was another big agency and with that they had a little group of two people uh, of a digital consultancy called Blue Marble. And so I said, uh, listen, I want to move into this group. I think there's going to be a ton of potential in this business. Blah, blah. And she was like, yeah. she's like, you're a VP, you know, in Proctor. I can't, there's no revenue in that group. It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, I know, but didn't you hear the story? I just told you all the revenue is going to be coming from there. This is big. This is, blows away anything we're doing today. Anyway, she didn't get it. And she actually said, made a comment to me, which ended my career there when she said, um, what do you want to do anyway? Be an interweb buyer? <laughs> I was like, that's all you're getting from that whole messaging? And so in my mind, I was like, if the leadership is thinking about it this way, I got to get out. Like they, do, they do not uh, see where this is going. Not that I, mean, I was a young guy, so not that I knew it all, but I knew enough that I had personally experienced the power of the internet before for marketing when, you know, most people hadn't. So I had the rare, and you, so I went to an internet company. I started the advertising group of a company called Agency.com, which later went public. It was one of the big, uh, explosive internet consultancies at the time. Um, and so at that time, I had the rare experience of having most people that were in the internet uh, space at that point started in it. Like they kind of were young, they came in, and they were kind of, they didn't have some level of traditional experience or, or, or level of leadership that I was already, you know, 30 years old. Um, and so that continued because then when that died and the internet went bust and things were falling apart, I went to Unilever for stability and, you know, uh, kind of a job. I had three little kids at the time. And then I had that experience. So now, you know, I have this kind of, you know, pure play internet experience and some level of marketing and, and leadership experience. And then I go to Package Goods Company where I have become essentially responsible for helping to digitize their marketing organization to the level I did it in the U.S. first, then they moved me to London. I did it for the whole, you know, kind of the global um, brands and so forth. And that brings me here where now I'm involved in, in a deep way in the most advanced technologies in the world with especially artificial intelligence and blockchain, but other things as well, IoT, you know, commerce is moving forward. I was going to ask you, you know, we talked a little bit about the blockchain announcement, but tell us a little bit more about the projects that, that are current in your world. I mean, we, we think, so IX is really focused on this concept of uh, marketing in a cognitive era. So if you were, um, you know, in the earlier days when we were talking about, you know, learning how to market in a digital era, we are really thinking about kind of taking that to another level uh, in marketing in a cognitive era. So the basics of marketing today is you've got to build assets that, um, you know, they could be ads, but they could also be utility, they could be entertainment, they could be in, uh, uh, many different forms to engage consumers. That's the key to what you're doing. It's gotta be made for mobile, it's gotta be visually social, but it also has to be personalized leveraging data. And for us, that, that uh, can be done at a greater scale um, in this cognitive approach, which is using Watson and uh, in ways that, um, you know, we have a ton of great examples of how we're doing that in marketing to do some things that I think very few other types of companies could do. Such as, do you want to give a say, particular user case that might be of interest? <laughs> yeah, so for example, 21st Century Fox <clears throat> asked us if we could help them cr um, create a trailer for a movie using uh, AI. So typically creating a trailer takes, you know, weeks and months and tons of editing and, 
you know, and so what we did was use Watson to for this movie Morgan um, to create the trailer using you know the ability to hear and see and visual like think, understand like a human um, and so it looked at like you know scary uh, it looked at highlights of scary movies and other movies tried to compare that to the scenes in that movie and it made a trailer which made the editing much faster that's not the final product a human still comes in at the end and looks at it to ensure that it's you know makes sense but um, that's a great um, kind of advanced approach to doing something that um, very few companies can do think about it like you know at most likely not a lot of ad agencies they're going to bring that as a uh, as a uh, potential recommendation um, and there's not a lot of you know tech companies that I think that have the breadth of um, consulting and brand and technology that we have so um, that's a great example I mean, we have, you know we have many this we have a you know we have a concierge um, kind of a shopping concierge with 1-800 flowers which I think is great on Mother's Day, they, they want people to um, look at the breadth of their products, which actually goes beyond the flowers. And so it's totally a interactive kind of artificial uh, intelligence powered um, concierge. So they can see, you know, so what is your mom like? Oh, my mom likes this and that, what's her colors? And then they bring personalized, you know, instead of a website, it kind of brings personalized recommendations for the person. So, uh, you know, we've built the first cognitive, um, dress, Marquesa, fashion designer, you think of creativity um, in marketing, you know, typically a designer will just, everything's kind of gut and, you know, creativity, it was like these, so we had Watson look at all the trends in Paris and Milan and all over, bring those together and it just informs a creator in a different way. Um, and that's really at the end of the day what it does, what, what, what AI allows for is, you know, it understands and reasons like a human, but it also learns at scale. At a level, you know, no human being. Can, you know, we have a great example of this one uh, in a healthcare where Watson read every single New England Journal of Medicine in ten minutes. I mean, you could be a smart doctor, gone to Harvard, whatever. You're not going to be able to do that. So, what it does is really augment your intelligence and allow you to do some things because you're now armed with intelligence that you can never get before. And in marketing, that has tremendous capability to, you know, getting insights on consumer behavior on, uh, you know, from an operational standpoint, if you're a CMO, where right now things are still pretty manual, if all of a sudden you can get information on a given subject, you know, from unstructured data widely and get it all within a half hour, I mean, that's, that's a huge competitive advantage if you can take advantage of that early. So some of the creative directors around us now have something to fear, we'll be seeing advertising that's uh, IBM Watson cognitive generated and uh, a robot will be picking up a line in the next Actually, I don't think that will be the case. I think there will be a lot of uh, types of tasks that will be, um, you know, um, done uh, with AI in a way that isn't that today maybe, you know, lots of humans are doing. But I think those kinds of skills, creativity, strategy, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is only going to get enhanced. Because think about it, you know, when you're in that kind of role, just like even when I said, even for the example for the trailers, like that, that is not the finished model. All that does is, is bring together information that would normally take a lot of people and a lot of time, and then you can focus on the creativity, on the structure, on, on some gut and instincts, and you know, focus groups and things like that. But no, I actually think it's if I were a creative, I would be fired up to be able to get more and more information. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the, I saw the leaflet that said IBM Watson advertising. Um, 
is is Watson Advertising a, a, a kind of division or is it just a, a concept within the company? No, no, it's a division. It's um, it's essentially what used to be um, the weather our, our weather channel. Yes. Um, so taking that and. Uh, so the data from that and then merging that, uh, actually a lot of the IX work is within that too in terms of creating um, AI powered ads or what are Watson ads, um, which um, I think are gonna be really exciting as well. Cool, cool, thank you very much indeed. Sure. Um, just to finish off, um, it'd be interesting just to, to, just to get a, a, a little bit of a, a sense of um, what other things you've seen at, at CAN this, this week and what's caught your eye? Uh, any particular campaigns or initiatives that are um, from other players, other parties that are exciting you? Uh, you know, it's funny. I've been, this is my 13th straight CAN. <laughs> and I've actually, again, maybe that's unique. I mean, I used to come here before marketers came here and it was just creatives and agencies essentially. Um, to now, where you know, if you look at all the you know the row of um, cabanas and yachts and whatnot, half of them are filled with ad tech companies um, and, and digital companies. So I think the, the big difference. So one, one of the big things is we used when we used to come in earlier, everyone would sit in the palais for session after session. They would see all the work and they would look at the awards. And I think what can has become is far more than just an award ceremony. It's it's become really um, a place for learning a place for networking, connecting with all the people that you, you know, all the people you'd like to see over the, over the years, you're seeing all at once. Um, and, uh, and it's really a bunch of great um, kind of, uh, it's like a great uh, time for people to expose and launch new initiatives and campaigns. Well, like even with, like, like our announcement about the bug, you know, it was a perfect time, like all the marketers are here. Um, and so I'm seeing much more of that than specific campaigns. It could also be because I'm also in a different type of company and a different kind of role now. So maybe I'm not as concerned with who won what um, in terms of straight ads. Like there's so much more that I think we're doing at a, at a level in marketing and technology and data that can't necessarily be wrapped in a picture or a visual, right? Like so some of the coolest things are, are really kind of back end stuff. Yeah. Do you think Cannon should develop awards or structures for things like the blockchain initiative yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely and i think they've already to some i know um to some extent they're already they've already adjusted because i know like when um when businesses became much more globally focused i know we saw a lot more ads from like china and india and brazil and different things and you know when mobile became kind of the primary means of um connecting to the web all over the world and you know the bunch of mobile awards and so I, I think you know can is good about um, adjusting accordingly uh, to both user behavior and business trends well that's right guy thank you very much for talking to me today sure thank you no it was great thanks thanks for joining us on the dog and bone i ask you to give our other dog and bone podcasts a spin you can find them on itunes soundcloud acast and other platforms if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to The Dog and Bone.